Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello. I'm Nicholas Gordon, host of the Asian Review of Books podcast, done in collaboration with the New Books Network. In this podcast, we interview fiction and nonfiction authors working in, around, and about the Asia-Pacific region. The first story in Jamil John Kochai's newest collection has an interesting title and premise. Playing Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain leads the haunting of Haji Hotak, but what starts as a story of a young Afghan-American man buying the latest installment of the stealth video game series becomes an exploration of Afghanistan, how the country has borne the brunt of generations of imperial and geopolitical conflict, and how that history is etched on its people. Jamil's book is about Afghanistan, as well as Afghans and Afghan-Americans grappling with history and strife, conflict and tension, family and community, often amidst the backdrop of an unfeeling U.S. invasion. Jamil John Kochai is the author of 99 Nights in Lagar, a finalist for the Penn Hemingway Award for debut novel and the DSC Prize for South Asian Literature. He was born in an Afghan refugee camp in Peshawar, Pakistan. He originally hails from Lagar, Afghanistan. His short stories have appeared in The New Yorker, Plowshares, Zoetrope, The O. Henry Prize Stories, and The Best American Short Stories. Currently, he is a Hodder Fellow at Princeton University. Today, Jamil and I will talk about his short stories, his Afghan and Afghan-American characters, how they relate to today's Afghanistan, and some of the surprising inspirations for some of his stories. So, Jamil, thank you for coming on the show today. You know, I I, I want to start with the first... Um, with the first short story in your collection, uh, which I admit when I saw the title, I kind of sat up a bit straighter in my seat. When I noticed the title of the story was Playing Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. Um, and But you kind of take that story in an interesting direction where, uh, where the framing for that game, which is it's set in, I guess, Soviet-era Afghanistan, to kind of talk about um, the history kind of of conflict in that region. I, 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 I just want to start with that particular short story. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a it's a funny short story just because um, it kind of it started out as a, as a joke more than anything else. I was with my brothers and we were literally playing um, Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain, and um, and and I just joked around. You know, we were in um, Afghanistan, and it was the first time where we'd been playing a game set in Afghanistan, where where the Afghans weren't the people we were supposed to shoot. So you know, the in that game, the main character is it's a, he's assisting the the Afghan mujahideen, and so you know, I was just joking with my brothers, and I was like, you know, it'd be cool if we could go 
from Kabul. It's it's set in northern Kabul down to our father's village in Logar and like and like help our village fight the Soviets. <laughs> and so and it's just it was this dumb joke. Uh, but like that idea just sort of lingered in my head and um, and it wouldn't go away. And usually when when a particular idea like that, when it just it, when it keeps bugging me and it won't just get away from me, um, usually that means there's a story somewhere in there. And so um, at that point, like I was just trying to figure out, you know, who that story would be about, what what are the what are the key relationships, and then um, and then of course you know because uh, because the game itself is it's 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 having to do with it's um, it's centered upon to a certain degree uh, global conflicts and and in particular the Soviet occupation of Afghanistan. It was very easily for me to then you know sort of slip in my own family's history regarding the Soviet occupation, and and so that's how that story sort of came together in the beginning. So I mean, a, a lot of your stories are kind of set in in Logar. Is kind of where it's the home for a lot of the short stories in this collection. I guess where exactly is Logar in Afghanistan, and what is that part of Afghanistan like? Well, Logar is it's it's uh, first of all it's it's an absolutely beautiful um, it's a beautiful place. It's incredibly you know uh, precious to me and very beloved just because um, a lot of my most uh, most tender and precious childhood memories took place there. Um, it's it's so it's a province. It's located uh, just south of Kabul and um, and it's and it's located on this uh, south of Kabul and then north of uh, the border to Pakistan. And it's actually one of the reasons why there was such a great amount of conflict in Logar for the last, uh, you know, what's going on, you know, 60 years here, um, it is because of its its location between Kabul, the metropolitan, um, you know, capital of Afghanistan and, and Pakistan. So what, what happened during the Soviet war was that you would have a lot of um, uh, weapons lines would go up and down. Mujahideen would be crossing back and forth um, between between Logar and Kabul and Pakistan, and um, and so and so for that reason, it became a very uh, it, it became a very conflict ridden area, you know, all throughout the Soviet occupation and then during the civil wars and then during the American occupation as well. Um, my particular village, the the village that many of the stories focus upon, it's located in the Mahmud Agad district, and um, and in particular, it's located in in between it's in this sort of very lush river valley that's surrounded by these um you know sort of uh very intimidating harsh uh black mountains as as the uh as the folks there call them and um and it's it's a beautiful lush fertile land it's it's sort of this oasis area in between a lot of this sort of more um rocky harsh areas that you'll that you can sometimes find in afghanistan and it's uh it's filled with fields and orchards and um and it's a very beautiful location it's an especially great you know if you're a if you're a 12 year old boy looking for looking for adventures or trouble it was a it was a great place to be at that time so i mean so the stories in your collection are kind of unabashedly from the afghan or afghan american perspective and even saying that kind of feels like an understatement of of the the characters the perspective that comes through in in your writing you know what's missing in how we talk about Afghanistan and and the Afghan people, whether in fiction or nonfiction. 
Well, I mean, you know, to be honest, uh, Nicholas, I think it's exactly that. I think it is actually the the, the Afghan perspective, and that's what so often lost. I think, and um, when you look at any sort of cultural media about Afghanistan, it's almost always written either from the perspective of a foreign soldier, an American soldier, or a British soldier, or whoever else, or it's or it's a foreign journalist, or it's some sort of a um, you know even like a like a foreign activist that's that's arriving in the country to 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 help the people. People, right and um, and you know and that happens for for many different reasons right it's it, uh, it's always easier I think to to sell a book or a film or, or whatever else um, that, you know in America or in the West if the story itself is it's focused upon an American or, or a Western character and, and you're looking at that landscape that area from their perspective and so but but then what's happened there is that um is that the actual voice of of the afghan people and of um you know uh, and of of the afghan uh, uh diaspora community as well i would mention um that gets lost in the mix and so um you know w- when i'm writing my stories i i do try to i do try to keep that in mind as well this this idea that um as much as possible um, I want to write a, I want to write a story that's, that's very much, you know, very close to, um, the, the actual experiences of, of Afghans or, uh, or at least of like, you know, my, uh, my, my, my personal, my, my relatives in Afghanistan, my Afghan relatives, um, in Logod and, and abroad. It's, is there a difference between how you wrote stories of Afghans in Afghanistan and Afghans based in the U.S. or Afghan Americans? Kind of, did you kind of did you find a difference in in writing characters depending on kind of where they were based? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's something that um, that I think uh, that I try to be as open about as possible. You know, when I'm writing um, Afghan American characters, for example, I feel like um, uh, there's there's less there's less anxiety there. Um, I, I just I sort of um, when I'm writing Afghan characters in Afghanistan, um, I'm I'm always I think I'm I'm a bit more I'm I'm a bit more careful when it comes to uh, I think like issues of of representation or or sort of the, the the political or ideological elements that can go into that sort of a story. I think when I'm writing Afghan American characters, I, I feel sort of more free to sort of just do whatever I want with the characters. But um, but but with but but with but with Afghan characters, you know, Afghans in Afghanistan, I think I feel like sort of an extra level of of responsibility to to make sure that I'm that I'm really getting that right and that I'm not doing anything um, particularly problematic or um you know it's just you know it's just the the thing is nicholas is that like for the you know the past uh, the 20 years that i've been sort of 20 years 30 years that i've been consuming um afghan afghan literature afghan film there's been so much demonization of the afghan people that that when I'm coming to a story, I think I'm, I'm just, I'm always very careful about making sure that some of that, that, that sort of, that, 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 you know, intense legacy of demonization of dehumanization, that that doesn't somehow sort of spill over into my writing in ways that I'm not even totally, that I might not even be conscious of. So, so I'm very careful. I think I'm more careful when I'm writing Afghan characters in Afghanistan, even when they're like based on my relatives sometimes. Um, so I want to I want to ask a couple of questions based on some of some of the stories in your collection. Um, you know, one one story that I uh, was drawn to was the story um, 
I think it's the story Hungry Ricky Daddy, um, which I think kind of fits into a, a trope, not a trope, a, a, a narrative that I suddenly realized I really enjoy, which is um, stories about uh, minority college students in the u.s generally being dumbasses <laughs> at least to start uh, i mean obviously the story person over there i mean they they, they kind of uh, become more more politically aware uh yeah. <laughs> but i, I kind of want to but i do want to ask about that that story which is you know how how much of that um well first of all i, I kind of what what inspired that particular story and how much of it is based on let's say maybe the real experiences of um I guess, Muslim college students in, in the U.S.? I mean, quite a lot of it is, to be honest, um, based on my personal experience, I did, you know, I lived in a, a, a small apartment with a bunch of Muslim guys in, um, in, 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 uh, while I was attending UC Davis. And it was, this, it was, it's, it's this fascinating situation because like um, within just a small apartment, you get like so much uh, diversity in terms of um, different backgrounds and different political experiences and different, um, you know, sort of uh, ideological allegiance. And so you get, you know, you get like very interesting situations where one guy is like a hardcore Marxist and another guy is an Islamist and another guy doesn't know anything about politics at all. Or or another guy's like uh, training to be in the U.S. military or something like that. And so you got like these these very interesting sort of um, sort of political dynamics and uh, political and nationalistic dynamics that occur that can occur within this small apartment of of these goofy guys that are just trying to, you know, um, study or or, or, or or get a date or, or find a girl to marry or whatever else, you know. And so so it's just this sort of fascinating situation that I was like that I would think back on often because of how um, how how stupid it could get, how how fascinating it could get. And then sometimes how surreal it could get. Like we literally had a situation where, um, you know, uh, the, the FBI at one point was visiting our campus and was looking for uh, a particular person in our Muslim Students Association. And they were just like going from apartment to apartment, finding this person who, you know, is not looking for this person who was not like politically radical in any way. Like they're the most like sort of like politically liberal person you could you could ever think of. Um, and I would just think back on that and I was like, how many other communities have to deal with like the FBI visiting their apartment or something like that? And then, you know, on top of that, there's all just all these other social issues that we're sort of uh, thinking through and, and, uh, and, 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 and sometimes living through for the first time when it came to Islamophobia or, or the, or Palestinian resistance or, um, um, or the war on terror or, or whatever else it was. And so just thinking back on that, I just, um, I, I took sort of like a, a, a realistic uh, or a personal situation. And then with that story, I just wanted to amp it up another couple levels. You know, it, it's funny you, you mentioned kind of the, the government surveillance, the FBI, because you write one of the stories in this collection is written from the perspective of a government agent spying on one of the, um, on, on an Afghan American family. Uh, I believe that's, that's the last story in the, in the collection, the one that gives the book its name, the haunting of, of, uh, the haunting of Haji Hotak. Um, you know, I guess, could you tell us more about, about that particular story? What, what drove you kind of use the perspective of the, I guess, of the person doing the surveillance, um, to kind of write this, to write this short story? 
Well, again, you know, it's funny. That's that's another story that sort of it, it came out of a joke. You know, I was um, I was uh, I was like I was like scrolling Facebook one day, and this Onion article popped up, and the Onion articles um, uh, uh, basically its title was something like um, FBI agent thinks back longingly on the Muslim child he's been surveilling for the past 10 years as he graduates high school. And it's like, and it's this, so the joke is it's like this surveillance agent who builds like this real bond and feels pride for this, this kid that he's been watching for so long. He's watched him grow into an adult and he feels pride for him now that he's graduating high school. And so I thought it was hilarious, but that, but that figure of this, of this surveillance agent sort of slowly kind of falling in love with this Muslim family that he's surveilling, like that really fascinated me. And so, and so, you know, I just started thinking about like what, who, who would be, you know, what kind of person would do that and what kind of, you know, and what, and I, and I really wanted to investigate that particular sense of that idea of love that, that this person could be surveilling this family, could be watching them, could be, uh, you know, violating all their rights to, to privacy and everything else, but still over time out of this sense of like, um, protection or, 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 or whatever else could still feel this, this sense of love or, or, or a bond with them. And so, um, that just fascinated me so much that, that I thought, you know, there's, there's, there's a story here. I don't know about you, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time to cook. That's why I subscribe to Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These are two-minute meals. Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash NBN50 and use code NBN50 to get 50% off. That's code NBN50 at factormeals.com slash nbn50 to get 50 percent off you know there's another short story in the collection that they kind of brings me to kind of maybe maybe a broader question about um about the book you know the for the stories that that are based in afghanistan with um i guess afghan's based in afghanistan it's funny the the united states um is presented as uh you know, it is kind of like an, an unfeeling, um, almost, uh, I almost use the word kind of natural threat. It's like a natural disaster. I mean, obviously, Afghans are, Afghans are very angry at, 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 at how the war intrudes into their lives and, and those that are killed by U.S. bombings. Um, but it's also just like, it's, it's, it's a thing, it's a thing that in some ways they can't change. Like the U.S. is always there. It's unthinking. It will bomb your village without a thought. Um. And there's one story I think I, I believe it's Parade of Goats where um, where a U.S. pilot crashes and then and then is taken to this village. Um, and I wonder if you could if you could talk a bit more about about how your story is going to intersect with um, I guess with the U.S. invasion. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I think if there's sort of a um, a central, you know, political uh, objective to my work, um, especially um, especially during the years of the the U.S. occupation itself, like I would say that 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 my work is is sort of vehemently anti-occupation um, and, and you know anti-war in general, but definitely in particular anti-U.S. occupation and um, and so so you know when I was when I was thinking through these stories and when I was thinking through these characters, you know, it was, it was always important for me to emphasize, um, the, 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 the debilitating and the devastating, um, effects of the war. And it was important for me not only to, to, to illustrate that in terms of like, um, the, the more, the more physical sort of, uh, 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 dramatic instances of of a bombing, for example, uh, you know, annihilating an entire family, right? But it was also uh, it was important for me to show the ways that um, that the that the war sort of slipped into people's lives in these ways that you wouldn't think about in terms of the way that that they were just experiencing the world around them, the way that that they thought about time, the way that they thought about movement, and and so um, and so for that reason, you know. Um, I, I think you're exactly right. There's this sense that I kind of, in certain instances, I wanted the war to almost seem like um, this, 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 this impossible, indeterminable, almost like sort of a natural phenomenon that's that's occurring to these people. Um, and then, but with the, you know, with that, with that story in particular, the the, the parable of the goats, um, that's an instance where you know I wanted to, I wanted to see what would happen um, if if a village that had been tormented, um, you know, by the U S military, if they got their hands on, uh, an American soldier, like what would happen in that situation and what, and what would that situation have to, I have to, I guess, have to teach myself more than anyone else about, about the nature of violence and, and vengeance and, and war and anything else. And so with that story, I sort of, I sort of wanted to create this particular circumstance and then, and then just see, and then just to see what happened with the characters. And so, um, you know, that, that's a story that I think it, 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 it takes quite a few twists and turns. And, um, and, you know, I just want to say that oftentimes that those twists and turns, like they were as surprising to me as they were, um, you know, as they might've been to the reader. And, uh, and really I was just, I was just trying to figure out something that I was trying to that I was trying to um, contemplate about about the nature of, of violence and, and war with that story. You know, to to take a step back kind of about about how the book has been received, you know, your your book was a this this book was a finalist for the National Book Award for Fiction. Um, clearly, it's it struck a chord uh with with readers what why do you think these why do you think these short stories and and this perspective is um why do you think readers have been have been drawn to it oh you know i mean um that's a great question i mean i think what's 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 been really helpful about with the with the short story collection in particular is that you know it has allowed me this sort of this freedom in terms of um being able to explore like different perspectives and being able to write from different perspectives um in the stories that that i didn't have for example with my first novel uh 99 nights in Logod, which is written entirely from the perspective of this of this young boy 
um, in Afghanistan. And so, you know, with the story collection, I, I got to write one story about, you know, a gamer in, in Sacramento. There's another story about a about an FBI agent. There's another story that centers upon the perspective of an old Afghan woman that's sort of battling with her family. There's another one about two Afghan-American doctors. And so um, I think part of it, I mean, I, 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 I'm just guessing here, but I, but I wonder if part of it has to do with the fact that, um, that I was sort of able to provide these, these varying perspectives and allow my different readers to sort of um, enter these, these, these varying realms as well in terms of um, what, uh, what they can explore and, and how they might think about Afghanistan or, 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 or in, that, in that case, you know, America as well, California, Sacramento, the, the Afghan diaspora um, in, in, in new or, um, or exciting ways. You know, I think I have, I have, I have one more question. Um, and I, I mean, I, I don't know the, the, the timeline of when you were writing these stories, but I would expect many of them were probably written before, or at least during, um, the fall of, of the Afghan government, the, um, I guess the loss of the war to the, to the Taliban, the, the fall of Kabul, um, in 2021, you know, I, I, I know for anyone that was paying attention to what was going on in the country, you know, those events would not have surprised anybody and obviously may not have surprised um, many Afghans. But I, I, I guess with the with that change in Afghanistan, should that push readers to kind of read your stories, read, you know, read, read about your characters, about these about these narratives in a different light, given what's happened in Afghanistan in the past um, in, in the past year? Um, you know, I, you know, I think so. The, the, the thing is, is that, um, you know, as you mentioned earlier, this, uh, you know, the, the, the Taliban, the success of the Taliban offensive in 2021, as they sort of, um, you know, as they just sort of went from one province to the next, um, uh, uh, uh conquering, uh, you know, area after area that, that, it, that was a huge surprise to, to Afghan analysts and, and to foreign journalists and, and to, to Afghan government officials as well, to be honest. Um, but, uh, but with, for my, you know, my, for my family in Logad, like they'd sort of seen that coming for years. Uh, Logad has been sort of under Taliban control since, since, um, you know, roughly since 2012, that's when they really started emerging in my village in Logad. God. And so, um, you know, they'd, they'd already seen the, the Taliban be very effective at warfare. They'd seen the Taliban create um, a shadow government in their in their village. They'd, they'd seen all and they and they were very familiar with the ways that the U.S. occupation was sort of failing in its endeavor to sort of create a stable state because of its um, tendency toward corruption, because of its exploitation of the Afghan people, and because of you know its, its horrendous war crimes that it, they, that it kept committing, um, Afghan government forces and um, and other U.S. allies um, that they kept committing against the Afghan people. You know they'd sort of seen that coming for years and years, and I think that's something that I tried to make apparent in my work. You know with um, you know with with the tale of Delhi's reversion, for example, like part of that story is about the Taliban taking over 
um, this entire this entire district in in Afghanistan and um, and uh, and sort of looking at the different ways that the occupation and that the Afghan government in Kabul was was failing the Afghan people, right? And um, and so and so for that reason, you know, I think taking that into context, I think it does actually. I think you're right. It adds it adds sort of a sort of a new layer to to how. Um, to how I think other readers can think about my stories, but but also in the ways that I was thinking about my stories, because um, you know for years and years you you got the sense that that one day like this this little bubble that 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 America had created in Afghanistan that one day it was all gonna it was it was gonna pop it was gonna fall apart and um, and then it did and then and then and now we're sort of left with. Um, with all the with all the wreckage that's sort of been left behind, um, and, uh, and 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 I'm really hoping that you know now that the occupation is over, now that this U.S. soldiers have to to a certain degree left left Afghanistan behind, that that Afghanistan then doesn't become sort of just this forgotten war, this forgotten territory. Um, you know, the U.S. is is still actively. Um, sanctioning Afghanistan, and it's been leading to a brutal, devastating food crisis for the people. You know, it's the it's the most impoverished, it's the most vulnerable people that are really suffering from these sanctions, and um, and 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 no one much seems to care about it. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a, a hot topic issue with the recent um, elections, and 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 I'm worried it's not going to be an issue when when uh, when Biden goes up for reelection either and um and so i'm just hoping that you know um that that afghanistan doesn't become this this forgotten situation because because uh the us isn't isn't present there in the way that it previously was so i think that's a great place to end our conversation with uh jamil john kochai author of the haunting of haji hotak and other stories jamil i actually have um a couple more questions for you, uh, which are, uh, where can people find um, your work, whether this book or, or other writings that, that you've done? And what do you think might come next? Uh, you know, my my recommendation is um, try to look it up or call your local bookstore and see if you can find The Haunting of Haji Hotak or, or 99 Nights in Logar. Um, I'm always, you know, support your local bookstore as much as you can. If that's not an option, uh, bookshop.org, I think, is another great um, resource to uh, to buy the book as well. And then, um, and you know, uh, in terms of what's coming next, uh, I'm currently, I've got a couple of, um, I'm working on a couple of articles. Um, um, and then, um, and then I've also got a a, a novel that's um, that's just starting to uh, ferment, and so um, and so we'll see what happens with that project. So you can follow me, Nicholas Gordon, on Twitter at Nick R I Gordon. That's N I C K R I G O R D O N. You can go to AsianReviewOfBooks.com to find other reviews, essays, interviews, and excerpts. Follow on Twitter at Book Reviews Asia. That's reviews plural. And you can find many more author interviews at the New Books Network and NewBooksNetwork.com. The Asian Review of Books podcast is on all your favorite podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Rate us, recommend us, share us with your friends to support us interviewing those writing in, around, and about Asia. Next week, join us for an interview with Michael X. Wang, author of Lost in the Long March. But before then, Jamil, thank you so much for talking to me today about The Haunting of Haji Hotak. Hey, thank you for having me. It's been a total pleasure and an honor.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.